friend, welcome to Brilliant Business Moms, a podcast all about helping brilliant women just like you to build a business on the side while spending time with their families. I'm your host, Beth Ann Schwamberger, and we're going to have a great time together. Let's get started. So today on the show, I'm so excited to welcome Kirsten Oliphant. She's the host and owner of Create If Writing. She helps writers and bloggers build an online platform without being a smarmy, which I love. She's got four (laughs) kids and enjoys roller derby in her free time. Welcome to the show, Kirsten. Thanks so much for having me. And I feel like I must have sent my bio a little early. I had a fifth kid. Oh, no. She's really young. It's new. It's new. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I, I'm i still in those sort of like first couple of months of like, what's going on? So yeah, I forget that I have five kids sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> impressed that you're even coming on this podcast. Like I'm... I am planning on like dropping off the face of the planet for a few months after the baby comes in April. <laughs> it's which is nice too. It's nice like I did a little of both because for me the working it makes me feel like an adult human. You know when you're doing so much baby stuff it's yeah. wonderful, <laughs> but like for me I just needed a little time to do something that was not baby related to feel human. And so <laughs> for me I did like mm. oh, let's just be with a baby and then let's go do a podcast. So a little both helps me. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a good a good sanity saver. I could see that. <laughs> so, okay. So, we're going to talk about your business for sure, how you grew it, what you're doing with creative writing. But I have to ask, how did you get into roller derby? I have never met <laughs> a roller derby girl. I'm like so impressed slash a little bit scared of you because I feel like you would you know, take me in a fight because you're a roller derby girl. <laughs> only if we're on skates, only if we're on okay. skates. No, I, you probably have met derby girls because I feel like it's becoming more prevalent, but you just wouldn't know. Like it, I think it started back up again in 2001 and it was like sort of more of like a countercultural thing. Like it was a lot more like you'd expect to see everybody with piercings and tattoos, although really everybody has tattoos now, but I mean like full sleeves and just, you know, pink hair which is fine. I actually kind of like that stuff. I don't have any myself, but I like it. And then over time, it became this huge outlet for, I mean, on my league, there were, we had lawyers and veterinarians and teachers and a lot of moms, a ton of moms. It was really surprising. So I think it's becoming a lot more normal. So you may have met some and just never known it. That's true. They have this secret talent I don't know yes yes you know now I'm thinking of it it's like if you're a mom of a toddler I could see how roller derby like lets you get out that pent-up rage you might be holding absolutely yeah and just the exercise like it's super intense and then you have like this great group that you're with I mean it's it's like a three night night a week commitment if you are doing it uh for real and it's a lot and so you have this team of women that you really bond with. It was really amazing. I'm not doing it now. I had to kind of hang up my skates for a little bit of time, but for seven years off and on, I skated and coached. I kept getting pregnant. So like I'd skate a little bit and then get pregnant and then do some coaching and then come back. And I'd love to go back, but it is a three night a week commitment plus games plus volunteer work. I mean, it's it's like a part-time job. So for now we're taking a break, but it's in my blood. I started skating again around my neighborhood just recently after the baby, which is great exercise and feels good, but I do miss hitting people, but only on the track. <laughs> not not outside, but yeah, just on the track. 
I'm just picturing that now you just like <laughs> roller skating through your neighborhood and someone comes along on the sidewalk just like boom. Yeah, just don't try to mess with up. me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so in terms of the roller derby, now, I know you're not doing it right now, but any are there any things that have translated over to your business? Like the way you run your business, your mentality, any tips that you've picked up? Yeah, I think, like I said, I, I think it's a three night a week commitment to do derby. And I think doing that for years, I look back now and I think, how did I ever manage that with kids? Because when I started, I didn't have any kids. And then I went through having all five while doing this big commitment off and on. And I don't know how I did that. And the same kind of thing with my business in some ways, you know, I had to commit and decide, I really want to do this so much that I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice nights where I just really want to stay home in pajamas and watch Netflix, but I'm going to go skate. I really want to do this. So I'm willing to take, you know, the time and the money to do it. And I think for the business side of things, it's the same thing. Like I look at what I'm doing now and sometimes people ask me like, how do you do it? You have five kids. And I think for me, I have a drive to do it. And so it's, it's about priorities to me and trying to you know, find, it's not even finding the time, you just make it. And so for me, it's like, this is really important. And I'm going to take the time away and not just sit and watch Netflix and pajamas. Some nights I do, I'm like, forget the work, we're going to hang out with my husband or just by myself or go shopping. But often when I have these pockets of free time, or when I make the pockets of free time, that's where it goes. And so it takes a sort of perseverance and sacrificing of other things to make that time if it matters to you that much, which it does. And so when I did Derby, it mattered enough to me that I was willing to forgo some other things. And the same thing now with my business that there are times where I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, wouldn't I just enjoy a life where I didn't feel like I needed to like go answer emails because it really actually matters. And then I think, no, not right now anyway, because I just have a drive and I love what I do. So I think for me, it's just about if you have the passion, then you have to make the priority and you do make the priority. And then you know, you don't, again, find the time, but you make the time and are willing to make the sacrifices you need to make in order to kind of keep going in that passion. Sure. So talk to me about creative writing. How did that start? How did you get that idea for your business and your site? Well, I have an MFA in fiction. So I always wanted to, you know, I got my degree in creative writing. I came out with a manuscript and I had agents who were interested. They sent it to publishers who loved it and then they didn't publish it. And so I I was like, well, okay, <laughs> that's you're kind of dead in the water at that point. And we're in a period of time of publishing where it's actually, it's easier to independently publish, but in terms of fiction and other things, it's often harder to get published traditionally now. And so I was right on the cusp of that when I came out of grad school and people just weren't willing to take that chance on the first time author at that point. You know, platform wasn't even a thing back then. But when that happened, I was like, okay. And my agent was like, well, just write something else. I'm, you know, I'm right here and I'll read it and people want to hear more from you. We, they just don't want this book. And I was like, okay. But then I kept having kids. And for me, the fiction side of things, it's really too hard for me to do that with kids because I, it's kind of like everything you do has a different process. And for me, fiction, it's like, I have to go live in that world. And when I get pulled out of it, it's like, super frustrating. And so I found myself when I was trying to do it, I would just get so irritated. Like I don't ever work with my kids around because they're just way too into things and I'm not good at that multitasking. So I only work if they're asleep or, you know, at a mother's day out or at school. So I kept trying to make the fiction work and it just exhausted me and made me irritable and and I didn't want to be that mom. So I kind of put that aside and just thought, well, I guess my dreams are going to die for a few, <laughs> a few years, which is 
something that happens, you know, when you're a parent. And I had been blogging and didn't really realize, you know, I grew this audience without meaning to. I started blogging like 10 years ago. So I was like, like literally, it was like, the, I don't know how people found your blog back then because you didn't promote on social media. And I wasn't trying to. I was just writing because I love writing and it just happened. And so I, you know, went to my first bloggers conference a few years ago and realized like this is like actually a thing. Like it's a real thing. Like people do it for money and it's it's professional. And I also realized, hey, if I ever want to get published again, like when I do have the time and I'm able to go back and live in that fictional world, does this blog represent me as a writer? And I was like, no. <laughs> so I started getting more serious about my blog and being more intentional. But I still didn't necessarily have like an end goal in mind. I was like, I'm already doing this. We'll just do, you know, I did some sponsored posts. We'll make a little money. It's fine. But it didn't feel great to me. And I kind of hit this crossroads where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm just sort of wandering around. And I went to a writer's conference that was kind of odd because I'd only been to bloggers conferences for a couple of years. This is two years ago, I think actually in February, so two years ago. And it was a really small like Christian writers conference in Austin, Texas. And that's another thing. Like I don't really write Christian fiction. So I was like, I don't know why. I just felt, I can't explain why I felt like I needed to go to this conference, but a friend had told me and I was like, I have to go. And while I was there, someone's, there were some speakers about social media and everybody around me was just like groaning and moaning and, you know, like, I don't understand Pinterest. I'm just going to walk out. And I was like, what is wrong with everyone? <laughs> like, it's not that difficult. And so I started to talk, like just started having conversations with people and people would hear and start coming over and be like, wait, can you explain Twitter to me? I was like, yes, I can actually. And I found that I was suddenly the expert in the room. Like I think I'd been to all these big blogging conferences where I felt like such a, not newbie because I've been doing it forever, but new to a lot of these methods and things, but I didn't realize how much I'd learned. And so being in this room full of writers where a platform was not their thing, like they didn't understand blogging, they didn't understand Pinterest, they didn't understand. And these were like old hat to me. I was like, I could give me 10 minutes and I'll get you going, you know, we'll set you up with a profile and I can help you like with the kind of content. And so it's, it kind of grew out of that. I had this desire to sort of fill in that gap of platform. And so when I started the site, I really thought I was going to be reaching writers and helping writers to understand how to use platform for themselves. Cause I was like, you know, I'm not publishing books, but I can help other people who are in this whole world, because that's so much more important now than it was, you know, years ago in, in 2007, when I was trying to get a book published. And so that's where it started was really wanting to help bridge that gap for people who didn't understand the things that I, you know, had learned over the years of, of blogging that were really easy to me. And it has gone in a really different direction than what I thought. But that's where it started, which I, I think that is a lot of people's story. But that's where it started. <laughs> oh, so true. I mean, yeah, I feel like every step you take, you're kind of like, oh, okay, that turned out a little bit differently than I thought. And you kind of <laughs> tweak a little bit and pivot a little bit. And then, yeah, that's, I mean, so true in online business. So I'm curious, I guess, first of all, how how have things changed since you first sat in that room and said, I'm going to be this resource for writers. I'm going to show them how to get platforms set up because it's not as hard as they think it is. And they really shouldn't be running for the hills <laughs> on this. How how has it evolved yeah. from that into <laughs> what you're doing now? And like, what have you learned, I guess, about who who your ideal customer is that you're serving today? Well, it's been funny because I realized pretty quickly that my audience was not even really half and half bloggers and writers. So Bloggers and writers, there's a lot of overlap. Let me just say that first. So there are people who are blogging and may want to also write a book, but they would not consider themselves necessarily like 
writer. You know, they they might write, but they wouldn't say like, I'm a writer. They might say I'm a blogger. Um, where their ultimate dream is not to necessarily write a book. They're blogging for many reasons, but they also might write a book. And then there are people who are like, I'm a writer and I have a blog because, well, maybe they like to blog, but a lot of them, it's like, I'm supposed to have a blog. You know, like I have a website because yeah. I'm an author and it's an it's, author blog. And it's like it, a necessary Yes, evil. exactly. <laughs> yes. A lot of them, it's a necessary evil. Some of them like it too. And it's, you know, they have their blogs that they enjoy, but for a lot, so there's kind of those two distinct camps. And, and I realized pretty quickly, like, oh, this is what I actually have. It's not a bunch of writers. And I think it's, you know, I was so much, so entrenched in the blogging world that there were people who I already read my blog as bloggers, my because I, I have a lifestyle blog at kirstenolephant.com where I'm, you know, food and family. I don't keep it up very much these days, but I they followed me from there over. And so I had bloggers and then I had writers. And then I was really surprised like I would get emails from people. Like, example, this week I got an email from a guy named Steve and he let me know that he listens to the podcast every morning when he is out milking cows on his farm. And I was just blown away by this because I was like, I never would have pictured – Steve. You know, like when I was starting this podcast, I, Steve is not my ideal customer. And it's been really hard for me because I teach and I have a, I have a whole series on my blog about it, you know, coming up with like, how do you find your target customer or your target reader really and target audience? And how do you find that person? And I say this in there as well, but sometimes I think you may need to kind of rethink that. I, I definitely believe in the whole, like, get it down to like a person you can picture in your mind and a name. But I also think there's needs to be some room in there. And sometimes, and this is what's been true for me, sometimes you have to throw that out the window a little bit. And I feel like I'm like, people are going to start throwing things at me <laughs> for saying that. <laughs> but two ways I think that. One, w- the more you get to know your audience, I now know that Steve is listening. Okay, so I know, okay, here's my ideal, that does you know, here's my ideal person that I kind of thought would be listening, but Steve is listening. And now I'm aware of Steve. I know his name. I know where he is listening when I do my podcast. And so that's always in my mind. And not just Steve, but all the people that email me, the people that are in my Facebook community, I know their names. I know what they're doing. I know what they're about. And so it's not that I'm trying to be everything to everybody, but I think the more you get to know your community, I think it is helpful, even if the community is made up of some surprising people for you to kind of have them in mind when you're creating content. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, or at least for me, this is what I feel is really important to think about that. And I also think sometimes we, when we talk about sort of the ideal, you know, the avatar, I don't like the word avatar, but that avatar, that person, we miss out on some other characteristics. Like we think about like the socioeconomic or psychographics. And for me, what I've realized, because I grew this audience and I keep I kept, I, when I realized I'd grown this audience, and it was super diverse. I was like, well, I screwed up because it's supposed to be this ideal person. So I really messed up my podcast and my whole platform. And I'm telling people <laughs> to niche down. And then I have this crazy group of people who are on YouTube and writers and yoga instructors. Where do they come from? Why are these people listening? And for me, what I realized is that what kind of makes them all my ideal is they all relate to the style in which I talk about platform, if that makes sense. And so in a way, my ideal customer, my ideal reader is not, or listener, the podcast is not someone who's necessarily in a specific niche, but it's how they're approaching their work. So the the ideal isn't like they have to be in this space of work, but it's about the values that they have and the way that they're trying to build whatever it is they're trying to build. Does that kind of make sense? Yes, that does. That makes a lot of sense because 
I have to say Kirsten too, even though, yeah, I have like my ideal customer story and all that, but I also get people all across the board who are like, well, I'm not a mom yet, but I love your podcast or... I'm a guy. Can I be here too? <laughs> and um, we're like, um, yeah, sure. I mean, you might feel a little bit left out, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you can listen or you could take my course, but you know, sure. But that makes sense because the comment that I get most often is, I like your friendly style or I like that you're honest or I like that, you know, when you're live, you'll like talk about a mistake and you don't have to be perfect or like different things like that. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's helpful to think still about that ideal. And I I definitely still don't try to be everything to everyone. But I think when I've started sort of leaning into and embracing that idea that people are there for the value, like the whole idea of non-smarmy stuff. I I attract the people who want to make money with what they're doing, but they don't want to feel like a sleazy salesperson which is really a lot of people, but I think <laughs> but I think there's like a special group of people who feel like really die hard about that. And so those are my people and they are all over the board, I guess, in terms of their niches. Now, I do primarily have, you know, again, it is if you put up like a physical like a board and put everybody kind of in a target, more people would fall into what I would call the ideal target area, but there's also a whole lot of surprising diversity. So I'm just embracing that. And I know they're there and I'm not trying to be everything for everybody, but I do consider that when I create my content. Sure. So Kirsten, I know you have several different products or opportunities to work with you on your site. So you've got a course and you do coaching and you also have a membership site. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so I would love to hear from you. What's, I guess, what's the bread and butter of creative writing? Because I'm kind of curious, you know, with that wide array of things. And then how did you grow that bread and butter, I suppose you could say? Yeah, that's a great question because I do have a lot of things. And some of them I do more than others. So I don't do a ton of coaching. And part of that's because I don't, I don't promote it very heavily because it is like I want to, I mean, coaching really is. It's one-to-one, right? You're diving really deep in with someone. And I enjoy that so much, but it is taxing. So for me, I feel like when I came into this and started the podcast, I didn't really realize I was starting a business. <laughs> you know, like I didn't realize I what it would become. And as I became sort of more entrenched in this world and, you know, learning, because when you're learning to start a podcast, like I, I actually, it's so funny about how I started the podcast, I didn't realize that was the medium. Like, so when I left the conference, it was like, I want to do something. I didn't know what it was yet. And I got a new phone and it had the podcast app on it. And like, that's such a dumb thing to say, but I was like, oh, this is how you listen to podcasts. <laughs> because I really like digital music. Like once music, music went digital, I was like, I don't understand. Like, where is my music? Like it's up in the cloud. Like it just was a very, I feel really dumb saying this. And it also dates me a little bit, but I just, that whole thing was just confusing to me. And so were podcasts and iTunes. So when I got my new phone and had the podcast app, I was like, cool, I can listen. And I became an instant addict and two weeks later started the podcast. And, you know, I had thought, I know enough people from conferences and just personal contact. They made a list and I was like, I have 30 people that I think would say yes right now to an interview that I could bring value to people trying to do this whole like, you know, platform thing or even inspiring stories for writers. And so... 
I started that. And I also, I think I took the free podcast course from John Lee Dumas. So I think I really thought the podcast would bring me billions of dollars, which is great humor to me now. (laughs) Because I think there's, I mean, it's like everything else. You have to do a whole lot of work. Like, yes, there are people making money, but that's not where I make it. And so that's more of like a passion project to me. But I really did think like, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars on my podcast. And uh, no, that's not life. And so <laughs> and that's kind of what started me off. And then as I was doing these listening to podcasts, I started listening to more and more business podcasts and hearing about online courses. And I love teaching. Like I have, I went through most of the education department at school planning to become a teacher and then decided not to kind of in the last year for a combination of reasons. Mostly I can, I, I couldn't reconcile with our education department because it drove me crazy how they had things, which is a long story, but I ended up leaving and just getting my English degree. But I thought I would go back into teaching at some point. And when I got my MFA, I taught I could teach at the college level because my degree is considered terminal. So I did teach composition for at University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And, you know, I did youth ministry for while teaching there. So when I heard about online courses, which I really hadn't taken any, so I took one and I was like, this is amazing. I'll just make one. And this tends to be, this is like the theme of how I've run my business. And it's not, I feel like I have to give this big caveat. Like this is not how I would normally do something. Like I tend to be a planner and kind of, I I consider myself very strategic. However, this, this whole thing has really taken me by surprise. And so it was not something I intended. And so it's been a real mix of learning things and being strategic and also trying things. And I should say that I'm not the primary breadwinner. So I have the luxury, like, you know, my husband's a youth pastor, so we're not on this giant budget where I'm like, I'm a millionaire and I just do what I want. But I also (laughs) am not putting like the bread on the table, right? Literally, I'm not. And so I have the freedom to try things. So I started, I created an online course really quickly and then really quickly realized like, hey, I didn't hear the podcast about how you should validate an idea first. Like that would have been helpful because I have a course and I just revamped it. It's called Own Your List and I love it. And it's on email, but it's not like when I first created it, it it was much less sexy, but it's not as sexy now even because it's not a course that's like, here's how you get 10,000 followers because there's a lot of email courses on that, you know, and I've, I've seen them and they are really sexy and they're super popular because people, when you have a number and you make that kind of promise, then it's people just kind of jump on board where my original title for the course was how to build an authentic email list, <laughs> which is like, that's a great idea and a terrible course name. <laughs> so I did sell courses, but it was not sort of like the the dream that I had. And again, coming into this stuff new, like not being a business person, I sort of believed everybody that was like, you're going to make a million dollars this way. And so, you know, I thought, oh, you make a podcast and you make all this money or, oh, you launch a course and you get five figures. And I heard so many people saying that and I hadn't realized yet you don't trust that and it's not for everybody. Like that's that's sort of the exception, not the rule, right, for some of these things. And so for me, it was, you know, I, so I did the courses. I also have run the Profitable Blogging Summit, which we're doing again this year, which is an online summit. And so we ran that for the first time last year. I have Paula Rallo from Beauty Through Imperfection, who's another blogger, and I took that on and we're doing that again. And that was another kind of big income from last year where it was like a free summit and then you know you could buy the upgrade to watch all the videos forever. And so I did that last year as well and then did the membership. So I sort of crammed a whole lot of things into a year, which is not what I would recommend. Again, like I feel like I have a lot of like don't do this however, if you're going to do it. Just because I was kind of like, you know, I didn't plan this to be a business. Yes. What is my business going to be? Now that I realize like I have this audience 
What do they want from me? What are they resonating with? What do they want to learn? Because it really is different. It went in a different direction than I thought, but it definitely went somewhere. And so for me, and the membership as well, like I started that, but it was like such a terrible time. I launched it right before I had my baby, <laughs> like in the fall. And so I told the people, I just did a beta launch to like previous customers, really. So anyone who had bought something from me before, and, and I did send out like an email maybe or two to my email list, but it was totally one of those like kind of quiet launches where I was like, this will speak to the right person, but I would be, I don't know what I'd even do if like a hundred people <laughs> got in on this, but I expected, I wanted to get 25 people in the door and I went just above that. And so I was really excited. So this was like my validating of the idea, but then I had a baby. And so I told them like, hey, here's what you can expect. One, I'm going to have a baby and I will probably disappear off the radar a bit. And then I wanted to do a big launch for that in January. And I kind of realized like I wanted to stay in there with those people and go the distance a little bit more with them and with my idea for what I had planned for the membership in a way that I wasn't able to do after having a baby. So I kind of decided to hold off on like fully opening the doors and doing like a big real promotion for that. And so I'm planning to do that kind of later in the year, but I also, you know, here's the thing with membership sites is like, there's a lot of math you should do beforehand. Like how much do you really need each person to pay per month for it to be viable for you in terms of what you put in? And so I had created this idea of what I thought would be an awesome membership, but then it was kind of like, okay, I either need to have a whole lot of people in this for it to be financially you know, makes sense for me to dedicate this time, or I need to charge a lot more than I was thinking I should charge. Like my beta people, I let them in at a beta price I felt comfortable with. So I was like, hey, you're going to join. It's kind of blind. <laughs> like you're going to get access to my courses and more access to me. But I don't know, you know, what else this is going to look like. Like here are the four things that I plan to do with you guys, but I'm also going to have a baby and not do any of them for a couple months. So you're kind of joining on faith here. So I felt good about the price I charged them. But, but again, like I'm, before I launch it again, I need to have like a real kind of sit down, crunch the numbers and think about my time to decide, you know, is what is what is this worth? Like what would it take for this to be something that made sense for me? So I feel like I've tried a lot of the different revenue models and I'm not sure what my bread and butter is. I feel kind of weird saying that, but I feel like in some ways I am still even after, you know, like 18 months, still trying to figure out what my favorite thing is. Like I'm making money and it's coming from different places, but it's kind of a mix of, okay, what do I enjoy the most? What do my people need the most? And what is, you know, makes the most sense for my time? So the jury's still out in some ways on that, but I feel like courses and, and, and teaching is really my favorite thing. My passion, you know, the membership, I would love for that to be my main thing, but I'm, I think the more I've gotten into, the more I'm questioning, you know, like I feel like I would have to charge way more than I want to charge. Because I also, I feel like in my audience, I have a lot of people who are getting their feet wet. And so that's not something, you know, like, because that's the other thing that people, I think with pricing, they're like, price your value. But you also have to know your people. And my, a lot of my people are not bu giant budget people. And that's just where my audience is. And so if I'm going to create this membership that's 50 bucks a month, that's a lot for some of them. Like, that's a lot. So yeah. So I would say that with this rambling answer, I have a lot of revenue streams and I have not really decided which one I'm going to dig into or if I'm going to kind of, I, I like them diverse, but I would like a little bit more cohesion. So we're working towards kind of deciding which which one of these is really going to get the big push. And I think in the next couple months, that's where I'm going to make that decision and really dig in. 
Yeah. Well, you covered a lot of good stuff there, which like, first of all, just those three questions that you are contemplating, like these are the things you need to ask to figure out which way to go. Those are great questions for anybody to ask in terms of, you know, you asked like, what do you enjoy the most? What does your audience need Mm -hmm. from you the most? And what's viable for, you know, your life and your time and that kind of thing. So I think those are awesome questions for anybody to ask in terms of what products that they want to create. And I have to say too, I've also had the luxury of not having to be the breadwinner in my family. (laughs) So it's nice, I have to say, because you get that time to just grow and test things and then go from there. There's not that pressure of this has to make all yeah. this money right now. So because it took a long time to turn Brilliant Business Moms into like, I don't know, I guess it sounds weird to call it a successful business now, but it, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's going really well. But yeah, I was able to take the time to get to know my audience and try different products. So yeah, I totally understand. And then another question I would add to that is the what's sustainable? Because that's the last question I've been wondering for myself because I've had some great months, you know, with affiliate sales and other things, but it's like, can I repeat that every month? Or, you know, with with a course, and these are questions like if people out there are trying to decide what to do with a course, do you want to launch every six months? Do you want to, or do you want it to be evergreen and then have to build like this awesome sales funnel that's continually like sending people through Facebook ads? Or if you do a membership site, like, do you want to give to these people and have, you know, let them have access to you indefinitely? Like what is the sustainable thing for you? And so I think that's, that's also been the question that's hard for me because I like to try different things just in general. It keeps my brain active. It's really fun to be creative in that way. And so I get, you know, the idea of committing to only one thing, like every year I'm going to do two launches a year and I'm going to have this and that kind of makes me feel a little bit boxed in, which is just my personality. I wouldn't recommend that, but I would recommend people asking what, what is sustainable, not just like this year, but I get scared sometimes with the whole online business thing. Like what if the bottom falls out? You know, like we're so oversaturated with people offering their lead magnets and Facebook ads and and online courses, like they're everywhere and webinars, like all of this is really saturated. So I also like to kind of think what's next and can I get on that, you know, before it becomes overdone, um, I guess. So the sustainability thing is a big question I've been asking too. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, I have to say personally, the idea of a membership site, because I was curious about that. It sounds like you you launched that in an awesome way because you were just like, hey, this is an experiment and let's see. <laughs> you know, not a lot of pressure, but that's where, I mean, I could like definitively answer that question and say, no, I don't want to be like tied down to the same group of people month after month after month and feel the pressure to like give them my firstborn child or whatever to like give them enough value, I guess, versus when you talked about like, oh, if you do a course then you have to launch it. And I was like, yes, launching it is so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, but you're right. I mean, it takes time to figure out what do you love to do? What makes sense for you in your business? And so, yeah, for me, it's like, oh, I've got a bazillion more course ideas and different launch strategies that I want to try with them. But yeah, anyways, that was a great, 
discussion about, <laughs> you know, how to figure out how to how to monetize your platform because there are so many ways to do it. Yeah, there are. And it's fun to think about them. And also, like, I don't want to be in the long-term thought of somebody who's just kind of everywhere at once. But I think it's also important to not tie yourself down and think everybody's doing courses, I got to do a course. Like, maybe – Or maybe not. Or maybe you're going to do courses, but they're not going to be a video course. Or maybe it's not going to be a course that's, you know, just right there, you know, that's already recorded. Maybe you do it live, like almost like an online classroom, like every Monday for six weeks we meet live. You know, there's all these different ways to think about it. And so I think it's important to kind of like try those out. And so I've been really enjoying that. I really want it to be, I would love to bring my husband home from work so that he could be more flexible. We talked about like our dream is for us both to be kind of, well, my dream, but I think it's also (laughs) this is to, uh, to kind of both of us work from home, you know, and have kind of these jobs that are more flexible. So we can just really, he is such a good dad. Like I, I am in awe of his parenting skills and I would, you know, love for him to be home more with us. And he's home a lot, but I think that would be just so neat to be able to do that. So that's my goal, but I kind of am like, well, let's, okay, if that's the ultimate goal, let's see, let's try some of these different things to see what I really want to do. Because the scariest thing for me would be to have him do that and then be like, okay, but I kind of hate courses now. So like, (laughs) we better think of a new revenue stream. So I think it's, yeah, there's just a lot of questions to answer and I'm not ready to settle down yet. I guess I'm kind of like a weird like bachelor. (laughs) I'm doing a lot of dating around with the revenue streams, but. (laughs) I like that comparison. That's so good. (laughs) So Kirsten, when it comes to your course, as well as your membership site. I know one of the questions I get all the time is like, what tools are you using? How did you set this up? So I'd love to kind of hear how you have those things running in the background and what made you pick those certain platforms to use. Absolutely. That's such a good question. And it's such a big question. There's so many things out there. It's really confusing. So I spent a lot of time researching and trying things and then returning things (laughs) like software. (laughs) within the, you know, I made sure to like note like, okay, seven days, 30 days, because I really wanted to get a feel for it. Because sometimes you can't, if you can't test drive it, you know, and you get this plug in and you're like, I hate this. This is terrible. So I'll break it down like this. I looked first at like kind of the teachable versus thinkrific, like those kinds of things where you don't host it, you just drop something in and you pay a monthly fee. Now I like those a lot. I had a free course up on teachable for a while. I think it's actually still there and I kind of forgot about it. So I, you know, I tried those and I liked them. They worked really well. They're beautiful. I've taken courses, but I really didn't like doing the monthly pay. And then I also really didn't like not having control. So confession control freak here. I really just didn't want like, okay, what if teachable like goes under, which I don't think is going to happen, but like, I'm going to have to move all my videos and rebuild something later. Or I don't know. I mean, you don't ultimately have control because, you know, your host could go down or, you know, your plugin could break or, but I just really wanted control. I wanted my own site and I had kind of in mind doing a membership site. So I was like, if I want to do a membership site, it would make sense to have the membership and the courses all in one place on my own website. So I went looking through options. So, you know, that's the first question is, okay, do you want to host it yourself or somewhere else? So you can decide and you may, if you don't want to spend a lot of time, just do Teachable or Thinkrific or one of the other options because this is like a rabbit hole, okay, if you're going to dive down. So when it comes to it, what I found, and this was kind of confusing to me on sales pages and everything else, is that when you're running courses on your site, you need something that will basically put up a wall so that people can't get to the content. But then 
you also, unless you just want the content on like a normal WordPress page where it just looks like a post, you're also going to need a plugin or something that creates like a course-like feel so people can click, you know, next module or something like that right on the page. You know, there's some other things you don't think about. So like I purchased something and then I realized like, okay, this gives people a login but then there, my course just basically like I would create a page that has links and then you just go to posts, which is a really bare bones way of doing it. Hey, if you're giving great information, who cares, right? But I wanted something a little bit slicker. <laughs> you know, I wanted something that felt more like a course. So what that meant then was I was paying for a paywall kind of plugin and then a course plugin that made it pretty. And then that's two different things I'm paying for, which I didn't like. And then if you're doing a membership, the recurring payment, sometimes that's even different. So it just, there were a lot of things. So what I settled on and I'm really happy with is one that I haven't heard as much about. It's it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. It's called Lifter LMS. And the LMS stands for Learning Management System. And it's pretty awesome. It's a free plugin. So you can actually take it for a test drive for free. And what you pay for is kind of the integrations. And so For example, what it does is it actually acts as it builds courses for you. And it also, so you can have students just taking courses, but it also has the membership component that comes with it, which is kind of awesome. So you have both and it takes care of the prettiness. So it makes them look like courses. So it does all of those things I wanted to. Now the integrations you pay for, like, I think they're usually like $99 each or you can buy a bundle. So I went ahead and bought the bundle. So I have it connected to ConvertKit. So when people sign up, they're getting tagged in my email. I have it integrated with, you can do WooCommerce or you can just use their cart. I just use their cart. You can, you know, have it connected to PayPal and Stripe and to, you know, MailChimp or whatever else you use. And so each of those is just an extra integration. So that's what I'm using. And I've been really happy with the service of how everything looks and how it functions. It's been really, really great. Okay, that's awesome. So Lifter LMS. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I've never heard of that. So I think, yeah, a lot of people listening are going to be interested and want to check it out. And that's really neat, like you said, that you can give it a test drive because you're only paying for those extras, those integrations. So Yeah, so you could set up like a free course or free thing just to you know test it out and see how it looks on your site and how you feel. And they have a lot of tutorials and things like that. And I, you know, I have some friends who are kind of like WordPress developer type people. And so I was like, hey, have you heard of this? And they're like, yes, I know the guys that made it. They're solid guys. So I was like, okay, because you know, you do hear about these ones everybody uses, and sometimes they've just been using them for years, and that's why they're using them, and they don't want to change because it's a big pain to change. And then sometimes, you know, you hear these little ones, and you just don't know. So it's good to get if you're choosing something that you don't know a lot of people who have validated it. Find somebody. I don't know how you find it. You know, ask around in Facebook groups for people who are real like developers, tech savvy, and ask them about those plugins. But Lifter, I got validated, so I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, good call. Yeah, because I have to say, I mean, plugins. I just hear these stories of them crashing and yeah, things like that. Or yeah, they just quit like developing that plugin. They're just like, yeah, we yep. just like abandoned this. So sorry if it's all buggy now. Like we're not doing anything with it anymore. <laughs> yeah, not so good. Yeah. Well, Kirsten, it's been so fun talking to you today. Um, I feel like everyone listening uh, has learned a ton. And to be honest, you make me feel a lot better about sometimes having trouble with commitment and wanting to test the waters. (laughs) So I'm not alone in that. I feel good about that. Nope. (laughs) So as we wrap up today, do you have either a funny or an adorable mom moment that you can share? Yes, this is funny, a little gross, but 
but funny. Just this week, actually, I took my six-year-old to a birthday party at like one of those mall arcades. I had my baby and I was sitting kind of nursing her while he was playing around and he came running up. I was like, mom, mom, I found a penny. And here, take it. And, and so, you know, of course, being a mom, you like automatically open your hand and he puts the penny in and he goes, I found it in the toilet. And and then he sees my face kind of like this horror. And, and then he goes, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I used a paper towel to get it out. And then I was just like, ah. And then he runs off and I am sitting there nursing a baby and holding like this penny that's been in a public toilet and was like, you know, this is just motherhood. This is it. You know, this is <laughs> This is where I am in life. And anyway, so gross, funny, and very kind of true to my everyday life, really. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you again, Kirsten. And can you just remind everyone where the best place they can find you online is? Yes. Yeah. The best place is createifwriting.com. There's a lot of things there. I've got the podcast there and you can find links to subscribe and things. And pretty much everywhere else on social media, I'm Kiki Mojo, which was my roller derby name because I joined social media before <laughs> before it like mattered and needed to be branded. So yeah, Pinterest and Twitter and kind of where you can find me as Kiki Mojo. Love that. <laughs> Thanks, Kirsten. Thanks so much. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant. 